This winter, Hulu and Disney Plus are better together in a brand new bundle. That's wicked. Wicked good. With titles like Disenchanted and Willow on Disney Plus. And Fleischman is in trouble. And welcome to Chippendales on Hulu. I love this place. All for just $9.99 a month. All of these and more now streaming. 18 and over only. Access content from each service separately. Offer valid for eligible subscribers only. Terms apply. See the DisneyBundle.com for details. Today is a new day. Today is the day that your voice will be heard. Today you will learn more about how to empower yourself, take control of your life, and form healthy relationships with yourself and others. Welcome to your new life. My name is Dr. Ludi Green, and I am the host of the podcast Ending Domestic Abuse. I am a certified leader in life coaching, and I help more than a thousand abused women regain their freedom and I have advocated across the world to stop violence against women and children. In this podcast, you will hear from top experts in fields like finance, economics, psychology, psychiatry, and many more. And you will hear stories from people who have defied the odds, overcome abuse, and found their way to success. Together, we'll offer you support and practical ideas to pursue your goals, start on a new path, and protect yourself and others from abuse. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Ending Domestic Abuse. This is your host, Dr. Ludie Green. Last week on this podcast, we spoke to Samantina Sinon, a survivor of child abuse, about the struggle she faced and how she has worked hard to overcome her childhood trauma. We also went over the four types of abuse and how to identify when abuse is happening in order to be the voice for children silenced by abuse. Although National Child Abuse Prevention Month ended on May 1st, we at Ending Domestic Abuse Podcast want to continue this important conversation. While we must continue to advocate for abuse survivors, we must also work to prevent abuse before it can even begin. To prevent and lower the risk of domestic abuse, we can empower women emotionally, financially, and economically. By building independence and self-confidence, we encourage women to know their self-worth avoid manipulation, and immediately leave any potentially abusive situation so we know how to empower adult victims of abuse. But with children, sometimes it can seem a bit harder. We may worry that children are not ready for conversations about abuse. We may not know how to bring up such scary and disturbing subjects. We might want to protect our children by shielding them from the reality of the world. However, by doing this, we're not protecting them at all. We're allowing abusers to keep the power. Many parents may hear the word abuser and think of a stranger. They may convince themselves that as long as their child is with them, with family, or with other known adults, that he or she is safe. Here are the facts. Only around 11% of child abuse victims are abused by a stranger. 89% are abused by someone the children knows, someone that a parent may trust completely a family member, a neighbor, a church member, or even another child. Of the children who are abused every year in the United States, 73% do not tell anyone about the abuse for a year. 45% keep it a secret for five years, and some never tell anyone 
By teaching children what is inappropriate, allowing them to have autonomy over their own bodies, and by giving children the vocabulary and confidence to share what has happened to them, we're taking the power away from the abusers. Today on Ending Domestic Abuse Podcast, we're talking to an author who is helping parents have these difficult conversations with children. Michelle Derrick is an author and an advocate whose book called Only For Me is bringing international attention to the issue of child abuse prevention. We are honored to have Michelle in our program. Welcome, Michelle. We're so excited to have you here on the show. Thank you, Dr. Ludi. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you today. Why don't we start by you telling us a bit about yourself, what motivated you to write this book, and what made you become involved in the issue of child abuse? Sure, I'd love to. So I am essentially have been a stay-at-home mum for the last 15 years. I've got four children and they range in age from six through to 15. And back in 2014, I went out for dinner with some mums. And on this night, I heard about two cases where children had been sexually abused by children their own age. In the first case, the child was on the way home from a play date at the park when he told his mum that the other young boy had been touching him inappropriately as they played. When that mum rang up the other mother, she then revealed that they had in fact discovered their young son accessing pornography on his iPad several months before. And whilst they put measures in place to stop him accessing that material, they weren't actually aware that he was acting out because of what he'd already been exposed to. And so it was really critical that that young boy knew that the behaviour was inappropriate and that he needed to tell his mum or someone that he could trust so that that other young boy could then get the help that he needed and, and obviously to try and stop him doing that to any other children. In the second case, the abuse was actually much more serious and again, it just happened to take place at a park between two young boys. In this case, the, the boy was nine, year, nine years old and when he asked his mum to go to the toilet, she had other younger children to watch on the play equipment and so she sent him across with his friend who was also nine. The cubicles to these toilets opened directly up onto the park and so the mother felt very comfortable that this was a, a safe solution. But not long after the boys went across, her mother's intuition kicked in and she suddenly sensed that something was wrong and she feared that perhaps someone had been hiding in the cubicle before the boys went in and so she raced over and she opened the door and horrifically she discovered that her young nine-year-old son was being sexually assaulted but it wasn't by a stranger it was in fact by this other nine-year-old now I wasn't actually given the the finer details of that case but from from everything that I've learnt, it is highly likely that that other young boy was a victim of of abuse himself and that he was reenacting what had been done to him as a, a way of a coping mechanism because what we do know is that any children or young people that act out in this way have experienced some sort of trauma in their lives and most often than not it is the fact that they have actually suffered abuse themselves. So yeah I got home from this night and I was just completely shocked because as a mum I had no idea that my kids were at risk of abuse by their peers. It had never crossed my mind and I'd never imagined that they could be at risk of abuse while essentially I was supervising them and just you know a matter of metres away. And I think these particular stories were also people that I knew and it was happening within my own immediate community. And so it really awakened in me the reality of childhood sexual abuse for our children. And it was at that point that I realised that as a mum, I really have a responsibility to educate and empower my little ones so that they can actually protect themselves if they ever find themselves in, in that situation. So it was at that point that I, I looked around for something to help me do this and, and 
unable to find a resource that presented the information in a, a really gentle and, and dignified way, I set about writing only for me. And, and that's sort of where it all started. That is amazing. You know, thank you so much for the work you're doing on behalf of children who are victims, you know, perpetrators. And we need people like you to be there, aware and looking and bringing knowledge to our community right. so they can understand what's happening, you know, because these children can be, like you said, you know, from a little friend who will have think about it or can be a caregiver, can be even a grandfather will have heard stories from grandparents, can be from their own parents themselves. So Correct. this is so important. This is such an important issue. And especially right now during the pandemic where everybody's locked down. I mean, I imagine the cases that people are going through and you are such an inspiration. Thank you for bringing new beginnings to people and shedding your light. What has the feedback about Only For Me being so far and has it surprised you and has the book received any backlash? Well, Only For Me is, is generally been extremely well received by parents and, and carers. It's, it was released coming up to five years ago. It's become a triple bestseller in Australia. And in fact, over the last week, it's began trending in the US and it's actually now appearing in the top 650 books out of the 33 million on Amazon USA. So wow. I think those figures really speak for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I, I still can't quite get my head around it. In terms of specific feedback, to be honest, I am continually blown away because with parents telling me just how well children respond to the book and quite often how it actually becomes a favourite bedtime story or how the children will know the words off by heart very quickly. And of course, sadly, I've also received feedback where a child has disclosed something upon reading only for me. And, and of course, those moments are always very bittersweet because it's, it's painful and horrible to have to hear about what that child has experienced. But obviously, I'm also glad that the child has now finally taken that, that first step. You know, in terms of those that are unsure whether or not this is something that they should be reading with their children, yes, I have received, you know, some, some bit of feedback and backlash. But when I have the opportunity to actually connect with those people directly, and educate them as parents, they actually normally do a, a 360 degree turn. And in almost every case, they become convinced about the necessity of, of these conversations. So that's in terms of, you know, the parents and, and carers. But in terms of getting the book published here in Australia, unfortunately, I did receive rejection after rejection. And, and that's why I went down the self-publishing path, because no one was really ready to, to bring this topic to light. And I've also experienced a lot of blockages in terms of retail outlets that still think that the topic is taboo. For instance, here in Australia, our two main retailers are Kmart and Big W. And despite many, many attempts and, and campaigning directly to those that are making those decisions, they're just not prepared to put it on the shelf. Having said that, America seems a lot more open and, and <laughs> has only recently started selling only for me online at Walmart just after a very short launch into the US. So. I'm very pleased by that and, and I'm hoping that that, that might, then, might then inspire other retailers in Australia and, and around the world to take that step and to bring this topic into the light. I love how in the book you include a section about the anatomically correct names for private body parts. How can you talk to our listeners about why using correct names is so important? Sure. Well, this is something that I actually didn't do with my own children in, in my earlier years as a parent. And that was simply because it was not the way that I'd been brought up. So learning about the importance of, of using the correct anatomical terms has also been part of my journey. And I say it as, it's as simple as this. We need to use the correct terms so that any communication by our child cannot get lost in translation. And I can, I can give my own son as an example for this. When he was born, 
his father started referring to his penis using the Lebanese word that his grandparents had used, Andushi is is my best pronunciation of it. And (laughs) I felt much more comfortable doing that. I certainly hadn't been brought up in a household where the correct terms were used, if any at all. And so I really thought that that was a much easier way. But as I went on this journey, I then came to understand that if my young son was was at daycare at that time and and he was perhaps now we know that abuse can happen in 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 circumstances that you would not have previously imagined and particularly with that peer on peer abuse if he was at daycare and he was outside perhaps in in a cubby house or a tunnel away from where the teachers could could visually see them and he came in and told the teacher that one of the other children had been grabbing his andushi that's not going to set mm-hmm. off any alarm bells for that teacher. But if he'd walked in and using the correct terms had said to that teacher that someone was trying to touch his penis, straight away mm-hmm. that teacher is mm-hmm. going to know exactly what is going on and she's going to have a very, very different reaction in that moment to a child that is not using a term that, you know, ideally if she's got the opportunity to find out exactly what that child meant, that's great, but you can imagine that a lot of the time it, it really is going to get lost in translation. And, of mm-hmm. course, in a... Worst case scenario, you know, that's essential if a child's using the needs to be using the correct anatomical terms for any police or forensic interviews and any transcripts that are provided during court cases, anything like that. So it really is essential. So sometimes, you know, parents may feel uncomfortable bringing up these topics to their children. What advice do you have for parents who worry that their children are too young for these conversations? Sure. And and I can relate to those parents. And I I'm, I, I hear you because, as I said, that that was me as a mum not so very long ago. But my advice to those parents is really they need to educate themselves first about childhood sexual abuse before they make any decision. Number one, I think when they come to understand that horrifically even babies and very young children are at risk of abuse, then then it suddenly becomes clear that it's pointless to wait until they are older if they're at risk of abuse at a younger age because then it could actually be too late. And I think number two, acquainting themselves with the reality of, of, of the prevalence of childhood sexual abuse. Here in Australia, it's believed that around one in five children will experience some sort of sexual harm before their 18th birthday. So when I address parents, I often say for us here, that's about five children in every single primary school or elementary class that is going to experience that type of harm before their 18th. So it, the numbers are so high. And I think we know that abuse can happen in very different settings than, than we thought previously, like playdates or at the park or social gatherings. As, as you mentioned, then I think you start to un- understand just how important it is to have it at that young age. And, and if you do do it, those parents, if you start when they're early, you'll find that it is much more comfortable for you because it will become a natural and normal part of your conversation. And, it, and it's one that will evolve over time as your child matures and you adjust the information so that it is in fact, age appropriate. Often, you know, we may think of abusers as one type of person, specifically a male, adult, stranger. How can we protect children from those we will not immediately suspect? Particularly, like I said before, you know, family members and even other children. Absolutely. Well, as we've, we've discussed, it all begins with education, educating ourselves, parents and carers, so that we know where and, and when our children are at risk. It's about educating our children so that they can protect themselves and they can have the confidence to say no and and to problem solve, to actually get into a space where they're going to feel more comfortable. So it's it's really about taking the power away from predators and and giving our children a, a voice. And I think, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, it's also about 
supervision as a parent, being aware of who your child is spending time with and, and you know, keeping an op- open door policy, supervising them and also trusting your own instinct as a parent. If there's someone that you don't feel comfortable with leaving your child with, well, then, then don't. Perhaps arrange an alternative arrangement so that, that you perhaps can, can also be there if your child wants to, to connect with that person. What are some resources for listeners who want to educate themselves and start to bring up these issues to their children? Where can we find your social media and where can we buy your book called Only For Me? <laughs> okay, well, I would love to send you everyone directly to my website, which is www onlyforme.com.au. And what I would really like to do for your for any listeners today, Dr. Ludi, is I have written what's called the Save Kids series. And it's a, a series of, of articles that breaks down this topic into small digestible pieces that can be viewed as printable PDFs or online on any resource. And it's normally well, valued terrific. at $14.95 Australian. Mm-hmm. But I would actually like to give any viewers of, of this podcast free access. So they can do that by going to the website and when they purchase a copy of the Safe Kids series, they just need to enter the coupon code DRLUDY21 and that'll enable them to receive the series completely free of charge. And that will cover a lot of the things that we've discussed today, but also go into a lot more, more detail. Will you please repeat your website? I don't want anyone to forget. (laughs) Of course. So it's www.onlyforme.com.au. And my links to social media are on there, but also I am on Facebook, Instagram, and most recently TikTok. And Great. so they can be found. If you go to the website, the links to all those social media sites are, are available there, or you can just search only for me. For anyone else who would like to learn more about Michelle, they will be in our website under www.ludigreen.com. Thank you, Michelle, for the insightful information. And now we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Michelle will answer some questions from our listeners. Welcome back to Ending Domestic Abuse. Today we have as our guest, Michelle Derrick, author of the book called Only For Me. And now Michelle will take some questions from our listeners. Michelle, there's a question coming from Jenna. She's from Austin, Texas. She says, My sister and I were victims of sexual abuse by my oldest brother since we were six years old. My parents never believed us or even bothered to take us to a doctor to find out the truth. We have suffered silently all our lives. We never got married and were still alone with our secret. We suffer both of depression and anxiety and we live a lonely life. What is your advice for us? Well, firstly, you know, my my heart goes out to you and, and I just cannot stress enough just how many people are affected by this issue. I am constantly contacted by by people in a a similar situation to yourselves. You know, I think in terms of of giving you hope, I hope that we as a society are going to be changing, that we're going to see a fundamental shift away from the way that we've previously dealt with this topic where people, sadly, like your parents, have have buried their head in the sand. But I am really hoping and praying that moving forward, there is hope. There is hope for our children. There is hope for the next generation, that we bring this topic out into the light and that these changes that we are, are trying to promote will be filtered through where this no longer becomes a prevalent issue in society, but something that is only ever happening in, in the minority. Thanks once again to our guest, Michelle Derrick. 
And thanks to you for listening. Next week, our guest is Suzanne Devas, CEO of the Ginny Geiger Crisis Center in Massachusetts. You won't want to miss it. No matter who you are or what you have been through, you can find help and you can find a way out of abuse and into your new life. Send us an email through our website at ludigreen.com. That's ludigreen.com. Or you can call our abuse hotline at 202-643-2327. That's 202-643-2327. We'll help you find a way out to freedom. You can also help stop abuse by spreading word of our podcast through your social media. Or just go on Spotify and please give us a five-star rating or share your comments. Thank you again. And together, let's all find the life you deserve. Until our next show, stay safe and blessings.